Just a quick note before we start this show. Some of the words I use during this episode of the podcast are as unsavory as some of the candidates for the Southampton managerial position. Consider yourself warned. Now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Whether this is your first time joining us or you've been a long-time listener, I'd like to thank you for making the show part of your day. And before we get too far into this, I'd like to remind you to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The We Are Southampton page brings you match day edits, polls, competitions, and more. And Matt from the We Are Southampton page has been a huge supporter of the show. He's done the logo for the show and he's been a guest. And I can't thank him enough for... uh, for doing that. So be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions, and much, much more. Uh, if this is your first time listening to this show or you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the feed uh, in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or basically any other app where you get your podcast. Uh, the easiest way to do that is just to search delivery with two L's, D E L L I V E R Y, and that should get you subscribed. If you have trouble, let me know. I'd be glad to help you out. Uh, We release episodes each and every Tuesday. Uh, I don't think we missed one yet, but if you're looking to stay up to date with what's going on in between episodes, you can follow us on social media. Uh, We are on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore I-V-E-R-Y. And you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash S-F-C-D-E-L-L-I-V-E-R-Y. No underscore in the Facebook address. Now that that is out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with this episode of the show. My guest for this week is Jamie Grant. You can find him online at Jamie Grant RS. You can find his writing over at Reed Southampton. So that's at Reed Southampton. Jamie was on the show way back on episode 14. Uh, so 10 episodes ago, 10 weeks ago. Um, and Jamie at that point was not writing. He was kind of in the background of a number of different outlets and he still is in the background of a number of different outlets, helping with social media and things like that. But he had yet to kind of announce himself or attach himself to some of the pages that he ran. And and one of those pages is the Southampton page on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you haven't checked out the Southampton page, uh, especially on Instagram, which is my favorite, um, you should do so. Uh, There's lots and lots of good news coming out and he has quietly built himself a, a, a decent sized following. We'll say that. And uh, he has been very helpful to me in, in making sure that uh, I've been introduced to new potential guests. And, you know, he encouraged me to start the Facebook page itself. So without him, that, that doesn't happen. So, you know, I can't thank him enough for, for being willing to do all of that and, and for helping out. And always a pleasure to talk to Jamie. And so we got together and, and did this. So uh, today on today's show, we will talk about uh, of course, the the sacking of Claude Puel and also the potential managerial replacements. We'll also talk a little bit about the kit launch, the videos, the villains, the heroes, and the kits themselves because that's out there. And we also took a number of questions from 
uh, some listeners. And if you ever have questions for the show, please use the hashtag SFCDELL. That's SFCDELL. That helps us kind of sort through the questions. Also, if you tag me in it, that helps too. And you'll know that I've seen it because I'll usually just like it. And that means that I've put it on my list of questions to, to look at, at least for the show. And we can't always get to all of them, uh, but we will we will try uh, see how it all fits together. So before we get started, I guess, you know, the Father's Day was just this past weekend. So uh, happy belated Father's Day to any any fathers or father figures out there. Um, thank you for doing all that you do and being role models for uh, so many of today's young people. Um, yeah, I, I can't, you know, being a father is, is hard. I am one. I have two little kids that I constantly have to reprimand, love, guide, console, comfort, uh, all of those things. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard sometimes because sometimes I just want to take a nap, uh, but I can't. Uh, and also being a teacher, um, I see a lot of kids each and every day who maybe don't have that figure in their lives and, and things go, can go poorly, uh, without, without, uh, a role model. So, um, no matter what type of, of father figure you are, whether you're a biological father or any other kind of father, just thanks. Um, you're doing a lot. And I know that sometimes we don't always feel like we're doing any good, but I, I can ensure you, uh, that you are, and I can encourage you to continue to, to do that. So, um, thank you. So before we get too emotional, let's go ahead and move on to the, my conversation with Jamie Grant. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Jamie Grant RS. You can find his reading over at read Southampton on Twitter. Uh, and be sure to check out the Southampton page on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The show notes contain links to all three. So here's my conversation with Jamie Grant. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Jamie Grant. Uh, Jamie spoke with us earlier in the season, came on, talked about uh, his, his page and all that stuff. And uh, Jamie, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be back. A little bit has changed since we last spoke, since you were last on. Uh, so what, what's new with you in terms of uh, your kind of uh, football life? Well, I've done a lot more uh, writing with Reed Hampton. I've done a bit more posts obviously on the uh manager situation which we'll go through a bit more soon uh yeah i've, I've done more articles than usual yeah and then and you're still running your page on instagram and on facebook right yeah i still i still do that in the background yeah all right well it's it's been nice to kind of see your writing your articles come out and, and do that it's nice to to see that and i've enjoyed reading them so thank you also, like any feedback, it's, also, it's a starting curve for me, but I'm trying to do more and more and improve with each one sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess today we're just going to basically talk about uh, kind of the kits and the manager, because I think that's, you know, as much as we know about those two things, that's that's what we got. So uh, as long as you're okay with that, we'll go ahead and, and get started. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go with the kits, because we know kind of the most about them, because they're out. They actually came out, finally, after uh, a couple of days of, of teasing us. But... Um, what what did you think about the idea of the kit launch and, and the way they went about it? Um, I enjoyed the videos. I did feel there was a bit of, as you say, there was a bit of teasing in there, and uh, a lot of fans were uh, questioning where the next video was. Uh, hopefully there's not more than three episodes, because obviously there was one episode, and then obviously it went silent, and then obviously the second one came out and obviously revealed the kit. And Yeah, I, I, said, I, I said I enjoyed the videos, though, and I said there was a lot of, Everton fans and Portsmouth fans a bit salty about the videos, but yeah, that was always going to happen. I think. <laughs> I think that's okay. I think it's. I think it's good. And the fact that they went with a cartoon, um, 
I don't know. Were you okay with that idea? Yeah, no. I, I said I thought it was quite clever. I, I said I think it's just something different because a lot of clubs just do even just like parade the kit. Or but I said for that they've done it differently. No, and I always think the Saints media team are all quite good when it comes to making things a bit different, like with kit launches and whatnot. Well, when they when I saw the cartoon, it was initially I'm going like, what's going on? But then you realize like you know there are a lot of of younger fans that are one into that stuff, and then if you look at American football and the NBA both of those entities have been doing cartoons and things like this for a while. And whether it comes from Bleacher Report or it comes from the actual league itself, they've been pretty good about doing that. And, you know, minute to two minutes, maybe a little longer and people watch them. Like my brother who is 25 laughs at all of them and he shows me. So when he saw it, he goes, Oh yeah, that's, that's totally what needs to happen. And so I thought it was, it was pretty good. And I thought they did a, you know, a pretty good job of, of doing <laughs> Uh, uh, with, the, with with the actual cartoons themselves, I thought the the storyline was pretty good and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, no, I enjoyed. You know, I thought it was. I said to see Ronald Koeman at the end. I mean, I thought that was just great. I thought it was. I, I said it made me laugh. And I said because everyone was guessing it was going to be someone like Jurgen Klopp, obviously with the Liverpool connection. But then when it was Ronald Koeman, I thought that was quite a good touch. And obviously the bit with uh, Portsmouth when they had the meeting and they had Portsmouth. With, obviously a little sign and yeah. that. I, yeah, I thought stuff like that was just quite genius, really. Yeah, I thought that was great. And But did they ever say for sure that it was Koeman? They didn't, right? It was just, we're all think, just, we're all making that connection. I, I think the guy that made the video said it was Koeman, I think. Okay. I think he, I, I said, I think he put on Twitter what is, what they could call his uh, villain name, but no, I think it was Ronald Koeman, I think, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I think so too. I just, I don't know, maybe, maybe naming him outright and he had the mask on it was i thought it was great i thought it was awesome and i said everton fans reacted to it as well so i think they thought yeah. it was him as well so yeah but uh, if he's seen it himself though i mean if he's seen it himself i'd I think that'd be quite funny if he has actually seen it i'm sure someone's showed him it somewhere or <laughs> we'll have we'll have to tag him in both episodes on twitter after this <laughs> until he until he watches it yeah. um or until he blocks this one, <laughs> one of the two um what did you make, you know, looking at the guys who were in the video for us, the heroes, you know, what did you make uh, of the the players we chose? Well, yeah, I thought, obviously, there's been speculation on Ryan Bertrand, obviously, with Man City and stuff like that, but I think it was Gabardini, Forster. Yoshida and Bertrand. Yeah, Yoshida and Bertrand, which I thought was quite good. I think some people wanted Van Dijk in it, but I wasn't, I just thought it was... That's how I just enjoyed all, and obviously I had the player liaison officer as Hugo. Right, Hugo was obviously as the uh, guy with the. And I, no, I thought it was. Good. I think all the players that were chosen were the right players to be picked. If you get what I mean? Yeah, no, I I thought it was a good a good thing, especially having. So you had Bertrand in there, who's kind of been linked to go away. You had Yoshida, who has kind of had the breakout season. Uh, you had the new signing with Gabby Dini, and then you know Forster's in there too. And I think some people maybe would have wanted to see Romeo in there after the season he had, but yeah. I, I think I don't know. I think they, I think no matter who they chose, people were going to complain a little bit. But I think yeah. overall they got they got it right, you know. Yeah, they always would. I mean, like I said people probably would say they wanted to see Virgil in there. Like I said, Romeo. Do you know what I mean? All there's always someone that's not happy or or whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, you can't ever win really. But I thought it was a good choice of people anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you think wound up being the biggest star of the video? Uh, I'd, I'd have said, because I remember the, I think it was the, was the volley bit, I think it was Gabardini that done the volley, which obviously he's... Yeah. I th- yeah, I think Gabardini was probably the uh, 
the main one out of that, I think. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, the whole reason behind the video was to launch the kits, you know, start with the home kit. What did you make? Would you like the home kit? What do you, what do you think about it? Obviously being with my dad who knew the kit from back then, obviously it's a retro kit. And I obviously Kevin, obviously his photos was going around with obviously Kevin Keegan and I thought that looks really, and obviously I've just pre-ordered it myself actually, because I liked it that much. And nice. yeah, no, I, I said, I like the kit. I, I, the away kit, I'm not sure on, but I think that will grow on me because I was a bit like that with uh, the away kit, not not the previous one, the one where I think we, I think it was green, I think it was with like the blue sash on it or something like that. that yeah, one. yeah. And I said, but I said this year's away kit, I think will will grow on me, I think. But no, I think they're quite good kits. But like I said the home kit, I, re- I said I'm a real good big fan of that. I've seen a few people complain a little bit about uh, it not ha- it not being stripes. They wanted stripes, but then you know you get the away kit that has stripes instead, and I think it's okay. And you know what was kind of funny is uh, about a month or two ago, maybe a month ago, we had those photos that were kind of leaked online uh, that we saw. And I think if, if those weren't exactly on, then they were pretty close. But um, yeah. there was a, a jersey here in the states that showed up at like a, a like a discount store that somebody posted in one of the Facebook groups I'm on. And they're like, does anybody know like what this is? And I'm like, that's the, that's like a model of the Southampton kit. Like, will you sell it to me? And they're like, no, I'm going to keep it. I'm like, damn it. Like I want it, you know, but it, (laughs) it was, it was the same kit that we had with no sponsor on it. It just had Under Armour and Saints kind of right down the the middle on the white. It looked a lot like the the retro kit that people have been showing around. So, uh, I don't know. It was kind of, it was kind of cool. And then when I, once I saw that, I was like, oh, this is really where we're going. Cause that's the tag even said sample, you know? So, yeah. Oh, well, but I think. I think it's good, and I think the away kit. I think it'll be fine. And somebody pointed out that it was the uh, if you take the negative of it, then it is red and white stripes, which I thought was kind of cool. And once I saw that, I was yeah. like, if they if that's the way they thought about it, and that's what they've done, that that's fantastic. You know, if it just happened to be that way and it I worked said, out, I think it'll, I, I think it'll grow on me because I'm I'm usually like like that because I said I always normally buy the the home kits. So I must admit I don't really buy aways often, uh, but no, I, I said I think it'll be one that would grow. Cause that grow on me, and it, but like I said, yeah, I saw someone said it. I said the negative of it is red and white. I said so, yeah. I think I, I think I said that is the case, and that I said I think that's a great idea in itself. Um. All right. Well, I I think the kits. Are, I think they're going to be fine. Like you said, I think people who aren't quite quite sure about them will come around a little bit, and uh, I think it'll be good. And it keeps us guessing a little bit. And I think Under Armour's done a great job with uh, with kind of doing that for us. So, and if it makes them score, then. Yeah. No one will be about what kit we're wearing. You know what right. I mean? As long as the ball goes in the back of the net, then I think people will not really mind too much. Yeah, yeah. Last time we talked, you know, you were pretty adamant that you wanted Puel out from the beginning, like from that point. You know, you were you were definitely one of the ones that was up there first with saying like, I, you know, I don't like the style of football. I don't like. I don't think the results. I think it's you know. And so you 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 did a very good job of laying that out on the last episode. And now he's gone. And we had talked before and said, you know, if, if he goes, we're bringing you back and we're going to talk about it. So that we're here. So with him gone, uh, just looking back on his time at Southampton, what, what defines his time in charge of Saints for you? Like, what, what, are, you go- what are you going to remember about him? Uh, see, the good part will be Wembley. I'll never forget that. That will always be, I said on Facebook, and that I, I said the Wembley thing I'll always be thankful for. Um reasons he lost his job was the end part of the season I mean for, I mean, I said five games without a goal the fans were getting 
restless. And obviously the last game, I mean, I'd, I've never seen a game like it. I mean, to lose to Stoke at home, obviously, and then and then doing a lap of honour. And that's, I've, I must admit, I've not seen that. And I feel sorry for him in a sense of, you know what I mean? But there was a lot of people that were abusive towards him. And I think that was unfair on the guy. But like I said, I think the end of the season really defined what cost him his job in the end. I think I think that really, that was the reason why he obviously left Southampton. Yeah, and uh, I spoke with Aiden uh, last week, and we were talking, and, and I, I told him, I, like, off, I think off air, like, as soon as we release this episode, something will happen. You know, we were waiting, waiting, waiting to record, and as soon as we released it, boom, you know, the next day he's gone. It's like, well, okay, that, whatever. But, you know, all, reading all the stuff that's come out, people have said the club gave him, they weren't sure going into that meeting if, if he was going to go or not, and they gave him the opportunity to say yes i'm going to change this and try to make it more attacking and this and he just like didn't he just said like no this is this is it and 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 i think when the board saw that they they said well like it's it's been it's been fine thank you for thank you for wembley you know and nothing against you personally but it, it's just not a good fit for us yeah because the thing the thing was i said i had the same that he got offered the chance to offer his style but he's i will give him one thing he he was a stubborn bloke i mean right to the end of his tenure at Southampton he was adamant he wasn't going to lose his job but he was happy with how he's how his style of football was and he was even he even done an interview uh with a French I think it was a French TV show saying that he was happy with how he did he thought he did well with everything and I said I think he put it he said he, he thought his sacking was more than sporting reasons he obviously it didn't go more into what he thought but but yeah I think he was very stubborn with, and I, I knew because someone said to me he that he might get off of the off change his style and I had it I didn't think he ever would I said because he's that stubborn because I said right to the end of his tenure he was asked will you be here next season he said yes he said I've got a two year deal I'm here next season and even I said he's had job offers because he I said, he said that in his interview yesterday that he's had offers from other clubs he said he refused to talk to him while he was under contract so he was stubborn for me right to the end and he was literally as you say he said to the board I'm not changing my style and the board obviously said well unfortunately we've got a terminated contract and we're part our ways i think that's what ultimately come down to because i think if he would have agreed to that we would have sat in with him still as manager like he would have agreed and stayed next season right right and i don't know looking at all that is it fair to him to sack him do you think do you think that it was justified on the board's part or do you think that um we had a question ethan evans who is at ethan evans ddt on twitter said, were the unrealistic expectations of some of our fans the main contributor to the, the fact that Claude Puel is gone? Do you think that's part of it? thing is, I've had, the, I've had a conversation with fans about this on Twitter in the last few weeks. When you look at it on paper, eighth place in a cup final to most clubs is brilliant. But for me, that's not the, the problem. I mean, the expectations are, I must admit, they are a bit... I think some people look at us as top four sometimes which for me that's not us yet i think there's still time a long way ahead before we can even think that but the board come out with this stuff that they want to build us into this so the fans try and balance what the board's saying and like i said i, I don't know if it's that i said because some fans like i said will say oh we should be fighting for top four some fans will say well we eighth is good for us do you know what i mean it's their expectations go up and down for me it's just and sometimes I think 
There, there are a number of kind of factors that kind of go into this, and, and, and one of it is the, the style of football and the fact that fans, especially the home fans, the people who go and are season ticket holders and have seen kind of boring performances are, are frustrated, and I think that's understandable. So you have that. You have, I think, unfortunately, the, the language barrier is part of it, you know? And not that, that we don't like people who don't speak English, but like that if you can't communicate your ideas and get your ideas across then that makes it difficult for the players to go and execute that. And if that's, that's an issue, you know? Um, and so I think that I, I read that was part of it. And, and so overall, I think it, it probably is the correct decision for the club, but it doesn't mean that I think he's a, he's a terrible manager or a terrible person. I just don't think it was a good fit. Oh, you can easily see him getting another job. They have no problems. Cause he's like I said in France, he is, he would easily get another job there. And he probably would have got the St. Etienne job had he been released from Southampton quicker. Right. So, or they obviously the other job that Ranieri's just taken, which I, I think is FC Nantes, is it? Or they just hired him. He was in the running for that as well. So I think, but obviously the problem for him now is with obviously how long it's taken him to leave Southampton. There's not as many options for him to get back into football. So I think he might have a little break and then come back. But he definitely he won't be out of football for long. I know know that for sure because like I said he is a good manager. Like I said I've. I said he's not. He's got a good history behind him, so he won't be. He won't be out of work for too long. Right, and I, I just hope that our delay in in making a decision on him, which I think is good on our board's part to to kind of go about it and really think about because it's a big decision. I just hope that that doesn't uh, leave him without a job for the rest of maybe this upcoming season. You know, hopefully he lands something that because because I think that's where he he should be working. He he's not one of these guys. When we start looking at the list of candidates that we have to look at. He he is he is as successful or maybe or more successful than a lot of those guys on that list. So, I guess now uh, the the big question is in you know say ten years down the line, what are people going to remember about him the most? Is it going to be Wembley? Do you think, or does, is it, are people going to remember him fondly for that? Or are they going to look back and see the you know, the football was boring and that's what they're going to remember? What do you think? I've been on record many times that I think a manager manager change should be, but when I look at him now, I think well. Do you know what I mean? Wembley, I will remember him for Wembley because the football, I don't think anyone's going to want to remember. And now he's gone. You, I said you, there's no point really going on about it anymore, really. So on a reflection, I would probably say, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously I'm hoping we can go to Wembley again, obviously before. Do you know what I mean? I'm right. a manager, I'm the next manager, or do you know what I mean? I'm, I hope it's soon. But yeah, no, I think I would probably remember him for Wembley, I think. Because, like I said, I'd rather look on something decent rather than, do you know what I mean? Yeah, overall, I think I think that's what it's going to be. I think people will, will remember uh, Wembley, and then I think there will be a few people who always go, but remember, you know, all those home performances, yeah. and then everybody will go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why That's why he left. But I think, you know, there there is the risk where if we don't continue to kind of really think about the season and remember the, the entire season, people will look at the standings and the thing and say, well, why did that happen? But... Overall, I think it's a good decision for the club. Uh, I think it'll be better for him. I think he'll be able to get his ideas across a little better um, elsewhere. And I think he will be appreciated by another club. It's just not going to be us right now. So that's all right. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I agree. But now we have uh, the task of, of installing a new manager. And the transfer window is going to open in, you know, in the next week and a half or so. Uh, players come back for fitness testing not, not too far from now. And then preseason starts pretty soon. And uh, I read this morning that people had – we hadn't announced all of the plans for preseason because we're not sure. Because, you know, we know we're going to France and Austria. 
we're not sure exactly where because there's no manager there yet. So going into this, uh, if, if we look at uh, the manager specials on Skybet, we can see who is uh, currently in the running here. And as of time of recording, it's Vieira at 11 to 8, Pellegrino at 13 to 8, and DeBoer at 6 to 1, followed by Ryan Giggs, who we're not going to talk about because he doesn't have any experience. And other than being <laughs> Ryan Giggs, he's got nothing to offer. So. So, so let's, let's go through those three, if you're okay with that, and we'll just kind of talk about them um, a little bit. Do you want to go bottom to top or top to bottom in terms of odds? You we're going to... Yeah, we're going bottom to top. All right. So that means uh, Frank DeBoer. Uh, what, what can you tell us about him and you know, what, do you, what do you think about his fit here in Southampton? Obviously, I followed his football, obviously, when he was traditional with Dutch football. Obviously, he didn't do too well into Milan because obviously we faced them in Europa League. Uh, obviously, getting that two-one win, which obviously was great. Um, no, he, he is a manager that he's de- he's certainly commanding. I think like he's a guy I don't think would be messed around. Like obviously, a lot of people said that was one of uh, Claude's problems that he didn't have the I, I can't think of the word like the. Uh, he kind of commands the respect of everybody. Like yeah, he walks yeah, in, and people go like, "Yeah, that, yeah." I think he wouldn't be like. Obviously, Duzan obviously was very outspoken on Pure, but I don't think he'd be so outspoken on Frank if he come in, come into the club, sort of thing. So I think he would be like a, a de- definitely a, a stubborn person to come into the club. Someone that I don't think anyone would mess around, and and it could. As well, obviously, it's not a necessity, but it could help Van Dijk out as well. Because obviously, if another Dutchman coming in, and obviously with his future from still up in the air, maybe a guy like Frank de Boer might be able to talk to him. And obviously, yeah, obviously he's been linked with Southampton for years. So, like I said, it's a name that Saints fans are used to. Because obviously, he was in the running when Koeman got it. Uh, he was in the running, obviously, when Pule got it, and he's missed out. A couple of times, so and he obviously is in the running for it again. And I'm, I said, obviously, I don't know who's more inclined to get it, but I'm, I said I'm sure he'd want to get it this time. So that's I'm lucky, sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the teams he's managed. He's managed Ajax or Ajax, I guess, not Ajax. Um, Ajax. He's he's been at Inter, uh, and he was an assistant on the 2010 World Cup squad um, with the Dutch. And so, like. Like we were talking earlier, you look at him and you see the similarities between him and Kumit. You see he was a good defender. He played for big teams. He's coached at some, some pretty big teams. And he's a guy that would walk in much like Kumit and people would just go, I will listen to you because of who you are. Yeah. But he also that's has... I mean, that's the difference between him and Gil. I know this is a slight disrespect to the club, but I think people would stand up and listen to someone like that sure. more. I would think that uh, when Pochettino came in, it was maybe a little bit like Puel. Like people looked and said, like, who are you or whatever. But then he proved, you know, he won everybody over with the style of football and what he did on the pitch tactically. And Puel just didn't quite do that. And so now you have a guy who comes in that's kind of more like, like Kuman, um, in terms of the the level of maybe respect in the game that he brings. And yeah. and now I think people, if he if he gets the job, I think I think people are going to step up and, and and be happy with it. But. You know, I, I watched Ajax play this year uh, a little bit in, uh, in in European competition, and they look fantastic. But that's not the style of football that he necessarily plays. You know, he's no, more he's me. more of a I think more set up like Kuman, if I'm if I'm correct in my thinking, and pretty defensively solid, and then kind of counterattacking. But 
And I haven't watched much of Inter Milan. Obviously, I saw them against us, obviously, and I thought, I thought we were. I mean, we obviously we won at home, and I thought we were quite unlucky away, really, when we played them at obviously the San Siro. So, but yeah, it's hard, but I haven't really watched his football at Inter Milan. So, obviously, obviously, it didn't end well, obviously, because he ended up getting sacked. So, yeah. Well, I, I think he was only there some, like you know eighty-five days or something like that. He wasn't even there long enough to really instill anything. So, at, at least if he came to Southampton, I think we'd give him the some time to to do that. But then in, in the Milan during his Europa League campaign, he was blocked by uh, I think a few players weren't allowed to play due to I think it was was it something to do with transfers. Yes, and so yes. obviously he wasn't allowed to play a strong squad in the Europa League as I remember. So he had big players like I think it was. It was it Jovetic and some other some other key members weren't allowed to play. So he, in his in the Europa League, he was quite what was I can't think of the word. Kind of. Yeah, his squad was quite small and literally had to choose. But due to so I don't think that helped him in the Europa League. I think if he right. would have had a bigger court, he probably would have gone through the group because they were favourites of the group at the start anyway, due to obviously their history and whatnot. So yeah, right. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps wraps him up. Um, next guy on the list, Mauricio Pellegrino, is at thirteen to eight. Uh, so not not the favorite, but close. What do you know? What do you know about him? Because obviously he's up, he's Argentinian. So a lot of people obviously get confused with his name being obviously Mauricio Pellegrino. Because obviously people have called him in the papers Pellegrini, Pochettino. Obviously he's got one of them names. Some fans like his name because of it's being different. You know what I mean? Like it's an exciting name, sort of. Right. But like, I said he was his last game was in a final. I said with Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. And I said they lost two one, but someone unknown to me really. Yeah, so you know he's had a few coaching stints and he's coached under some bigger managers. Um, and I was reading, I was reading the Daily Echo that uh, he had, he's coached under some really big managers. He's coached under Benitez. He's coached. I think he's assisted maybe even Van Hall. And he's just not. He's not one of those guys that's going to come in and say I know everything. He's willing to learn from what it sounds like. So I think that's good. There were questions asked over the style of football that he played uh, at his most recent job. Um, he, they only scored 41 goals, which is was not great. And we were kind of talking about the lack of goals and the lack of attacking football. But I definitely think that the, the situation that he was in, he was coaching a newly promoted club, trying to stay in the Spanish top flight, and he secured them a top half finish, you know, just in there. And so I think that's, um, you know, if you look at his season, top half finish, lost a cup final, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of similar, but his, his object, I think going into the season was don't get relegated. And so I think when you're trying not to get relegated, you know, you sure up the defense and you, if you score a goal yeah. on a counterattack and get three points instead of one, you're totally fine. But I would be maybe slightly hesitant to, to, to bring in a guy like that. But I think that he's had enough coaching experience under some of the bigger guys that it could, it could really work for us, you know? Yeah, and we always thought, and obviously, as you alluded to, he was under Rafa Benitez, which was at Liverpool, and obviously there's always a, obviously there's always a joke between Southampton and Liverpool. So that would, if he was appointed, that would add to another Liverpool man. There's a Liverpool thing coming to it again in that sense as well. So, yeah. And I don't know, like reading a little bit more about him, he he's fairly technical. He likes to keep the ball on the ground and move, and that kind of fits our style. He likes to play the youth; that fits our style. And I think that would be, I think there, for those reasons, it would be a, a, a good fit. Um, it would definitely be a step up coming from 
the Spanish league where you're it, it basically it's a race against the top three. It's just how close can you stay to them coming to the Premier League where I think you're going to run into more teams where the gap between most teams is a lot smaller than in, in Spain, you know, and especially with the money that all the teams have now, the money that people are spending. You look at some of the, the fees that people are paying for, you know, young goalkeepers or for defenders who can't get into a team another place and all of a sudden they're going to cost, you know, however many millions of pounds. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a step up for him, a little bit of a risk, but I think I think he would be a, a pretty good fit. And I think we have the academy system that could really back him up, that he could play those youth players and they would be, like we saw Jack Stevens this year, you know, they, they, there are quality players there that can come in and, and do a job for him if, if he needs. So at this point, what are your kind of final thoughts on, on, on Pellegrino as a candidate? Um, well, the thing, like I said, the one thing for me is, is the, um, obviously he's alluded to the, obviously the colloquial language barrier. I'm not sure what his English is like, so I have tried to see if he's got, if he's spoken English before or, because obviously if he comes in and he doesn't speak English, then I worry that, but obviously being at Liverpool, I'm not sure if he did speak English there or, so obviously, because obviously I don't know, because obviously I, for me, the, the English thing, if the English was a problem with Pure, is Pellegrino going to have the same problem with communicating? Because obviously when Pochettino was in charge, he was under a translator for a year. So mm-hmm. will Pellegrino need a translator for a year to get across there? But that's the only thing I worry about in that sense, I must admit. If there yeah. was any worry. And, and, and the worry is always just, are they going to be able to clearly communicate and articulate what they want to happen on the field, what they expect of individual players, because if those things aren't done, if you can't get those things across, then, then you're going to be, you're going to be hurting for, for stuff. Cause clarity is, is, you know, when you're talking about a game that's inches, you know, between a, a win and, and a loss, if you can't communicate clearly, then that sometimes that's the difference. That's all it takes. And we can't, I don't think we can afford that. So we'll see. And I, I teach a lot of kids who don't speak English. And, and so I, I, I kind of realize how, you know, I don't speak Spanish and I probably should given the area that I live in, but it, it, it becomes a real kind of hindrance in a lot of places around here. They being bilingual is, is something that they prefer a candidate who speaks both languages. So I, I, I get it if, if we choose not to go that route, but sometimes you take a chance, I guess, and, and hope that it, it works out maybe through a translator or whatever, but uh, we'll see. And now is uh, I guess the, the other, the other candidate in, in terms of uh, the bookies we have, uh, Patrick Vieira, who really, you know, yesterday morning when we were uh, kind of talking by messaging back and forth, he was so far down this list. And it seems like somebody mentioned his name and then somebody was like, oh, he was interviewed. And I'm like, I don't hear that. And then all of a sudden yesterday afternoon, he shoots to the to the top of the bookies list. So Patrick Vieira currently, you know, uh, the coach at NYCFC here in the States, part of the Manchester City kind of family of of whatever the hell that is. Um, but, but I mean, you, you grew up in, in England watching kind of the, him. So what do you remember about him as a player? He's one of the players that I enjoyed watching, obviously, when I was watching. So obviously his, his legacy at Arsenal was fantastic. I mean, like I said, in a team with him, Henri, Burkamp, obviously he was part of the Invincibles. And I've always thought he would be, a, I said, I always thought he would go on and be a great manager. Because obviously I know that he's always said that he's looked up to Arsene Wenger in the sense of being a coach. I said, I mean, all the incidents, obviously, with Roy Keane and, do you know what I mean, there were so many, the Manchester and Arsenal games used to bring so much. When you look at them now, they're not as intense as they were. Of course, you had Keane and Vieira 
both sides really. Do you know what I mean? They were both strong characters, right. and well, I'd say he was someone that you'd look you would look up to as a you know, as a bit of a role model, I'd say, so to speak. And you know, not all great players become great managers, um, and not all bad players become bad managers. You know, you kind of there is a mix in there, but. We're not going to talk a whole lot about Ryan Giggs, but Ryan Giggs was pretty good, you know, from what I from what I hear, you know. Um, but he, there's a difference I think between him and Vieira because I think Giggs comes in and just expects people to respect him because of who he was as a player, whereas Vieira has coming over to the United States. That in some people's minds that might be, a, you know, that's a death sentence or a, you know. Uh, but he's over here. He is he's playing relatively attractive football in a weird spot. I don't know if you know anything about NYCFC, but they play in Yankee Stadium, which is a baseball field. So the pitch is basically as small as it can legally be. It's super narrow, but he's over here. He's doing all right. And some people I've seen on Twitter, some people are excited about it. Some people are like, no, that's not, not going to happen. But what do, you, what do you think about him uh, in terms of being the coach of Southampton? I mean, for me, if, if it was a plausible thing, I think it would be a massive risk on Les Reed's part. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, currently he's, Obviously, as you, as you allude to, he's at New York, and obviously he's the manager of uh, David Villa and Andrea Pirlo. I'm not sure if he's still yep. playing Pirlo. Is he still part he, of the team there? Pirlo is still on the team. He hasn't been playing as frequently. I- yeah, I mean, I said, he, I mean, so he's, I mean, to manage them sort of players. I mean, I remember David Villa banging the goals in for Barcelona back in the day. So he's, you know what I mean, but as as him as a Southampton manager, I mean it. I mean, because a lot of people are, oh, why would we go with a French man so soon after Pule? But I think there's they're different. They're not the same French men. And, and obviously, with Vieira, he's obviously has played his trade in England. Obviously, most of his careers. And I think a lot of players, as we alluded to with the ball, would look up to him and go, "Whoa, this is a big." Do you know what I mean? I mean he's he's such a big character, in, and people know him. Do you know what I mean? If you say. So most football fans, do you know who Patrick Vieira is? Most of them will say to you, "Oh, with what the Arsenal?" Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they know who. Do you know what I mean? He's a guy you you know about. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, I haven't seen enough from his kind of transfer policy, things like that. But in game management, he seems to be okay. He's made a couple. There are a couple of decisions he's made. Uh, I think last season that people kind of looked at it and said, "What are you doing?" You know, but that's he's learning. And uh, I think being at a club like NYCFC, you know, MLS is weird. You have, you know, you have the DP players, the designated players who can get bigger contracts than everybody else. And it does, I don't think it counts towards the, towards the salary cap with those players. So that's how you bring in guys like, like Via and, and Pirlo. And those guys are on big contracts. They're on like European level contracts. So you bring them in and sometimes they're a bust and sometimes they're not. They tried with the Lampard. It didn't work. Uh, he was injured all the time. But you look right, at... Yeah. You look at some of the money that, that some of the teams can spend, um, and NYCFC has Manchester City, who have a ton of money backing him. So that's a different kind of animal. He's not maybe not playing. Maybe the playing field isn't level between him and all the rest of the teams in MLS, even though they've tried. Um, so maybe that kind of helps him out a little bit. They're currently, I believe, in third place in their conference. He, he's doing okay. Um, so so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how it's how it's going to be. But with him being in mid-season, as I, I said, I don't think I, I don't think it will be. I don't think it, I think obviously someone's knows something in the bookies that to put money on him. But I don't think he'd leave New York right now and come to us. Because sometimes 
they say they throw like a curveball in there. And I mean, I'm putting this out there as an example. If, if you put Kelvin Davis in the bed and you get loads of people that say, oh, Kelvin Davis, you could launch him all the way to favourite. Not saying he won't get the job. Right. You know what I mean, but right. a lot of it's money. But obviously, I don't think everyone's just put money on Vieira just for the fun of it. I think there's probably something behind it. But I don't think because obviously he's at New York currently and obviously he was linked with the St. Etienne job. I think if it come down to I don't think we'll see him at Southampton anyway. I'm not saying he won't ever manage in the Premier League. I mean, I can probably see that happening, but I don't think he, despite him being favourite and all this money cut, I don't think we'll see him in, in the Southampton dugout right. this season. Right. And I, I, I asked a guy yesterday on Twitter, you know, who writes, who follows NYCFC pretty closely and writes, um, his name is Jay Stuccio. Uh, I asked him, you know, just what do you make of the rumors about Vieira going to manage Southampton? And he, and he said, I can't see it. He said in the past he wouldn't leave NYCFC unexpected midseason. And he said, but then again, you never know. So I have to kind of, you know, it kind of he kind of came out of nowhere. I, I can't really see it, but it would be a good, would seem to be a logical step for him because I don't think he's going to go from NYCFC to Man City. You know, that's not happening. Um, so he's going to have to go to another club and make that step. But I think. You know, it, it could be a good fit for him. It could work out for both of us, but I, I can't see it right now, especially given, like you said, the midseason stuff, um, which means it's going to be hard to leave MLS because we play a different schedule than everybody else because, you know, we're American. We'll do what we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <but> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I think is that, is that pretty much do it for you for, for the managers or do you, anybody else you want to talk about? I mean, there's a few, like I said, obviously, we the Ryan Giggs thing, obviously, we'll ask I don't want to go because uh, I think that was – yeah, I'm Ryan Giggs, give me a job, sort of thing. And yeah, I think he was linked. And there's been, obviously, we we were linked, obviously, before uh, uh, before Peel left with, obviously, Marcus Silva, who went to Watford. I, I must admit, I'm slightly gutted that we didn't get a chance to speak to Roger Schmidt, who went to China, I think, was it a few weeks ago? For I, big I, money. I, I would have, he was. He was someone that I wanted saying, and obviously we had the dream of two share, which was he died quickly because he was just like Southampton. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Pretty much, and everyone was just like deflated and. Right. So obviously that was the dream, but obviously it was a dream that was quite wild, really, wasn't it? I mean, going from Dortmund to Southampton after, and then one obviously it was supporting this guy's what said that he wants a Champions League club, and someone said, well, why don't he come and make us a Champions League club? Well, I don't think it'd be as easy as that, and and a lot of people said he's got a very. Uh, Fiery. I think he had a lot of problems with the board, so I think Brendan Rodgers is slowly creeping up. But I don't think he'd leave Celtic. I don't, I don't want him to leave Celtic. I don't want him. To, I don't want him to leave Celtic. I don't want him to come anywhere near us. I don't think he'd be the worst appointment in the world, but I don't think. I don't, but there's no one that I don't think everyone's mentioned a lot. And I've spoken to him with Luke Cosman, who does read Southampton. Is the Fulham manager? I see his name is that Jakanovich. Jakanovich. That's the one. Yeah. Well, he's a guy. That, I mean, obviously, Luke, Luke and I have spoken about him, and we and I said I'd like. He said that obviously he'd be one that he would like to get because someone done a report about a, a wild card manager, and he was someone, and he's done a real good job at Fulham. He, he, because he actually he went to he went to Watford, won them the title, and then got sacked. Yeah. So, and they, I don't think he was that bad of a manager. I think his football's attacking and. He's, he would be one that I would look at from afar, but then he's another one at a club, so would Southampton want to pay the conversation to get him out of the club? Do you know what I mean? But he's one I would certainly have in my list if I was going to... Because I said I think he'd be some... I said because he's one of their managers, like I said, he didn't really get a time 
So he got promoted with Watford, and then he got sacked. So, but Watford obviously have gone through a lot of managers. Right. Like, right. Yeah, I mean, every season they change a manager. They're yeah. like us. So. And Watford are different because they have people who own them also own a couple other different clubs and they seem to shuffle players and managers and everything else around. So, you know, I don't know. And maybe that firing was, you know, uncalled for and unfair, but that's just how Watford do things. And but yeah, no, I would definitely throw him in there as someone that I would look at. Right. For okay. Some All right. Okay. So we have a few questions here and some of them kind of overlap. So we'll do, I'll do my best. Hopefully I don't miss anybody. Um, but we have a similar question from Lee, who is at Lee Farley nine, from Jay, who's at Van Dyke, who's it's at V A N D X J K, uh, and then Dan, who's at Holy Hoiberg. He said, kind of all said, who would be your ideal manager out of the candidates we're given? Um, who are, who are our favorite candidates? And with Puel gone, who do you think replaces him? So, you know, of of those three that we've kind of talked about, if that's one of maybe one of your your favorites, who, who for you would you choose out of that group? I mean, based based on what I've said, I would probably say Frank the Ball. But I mean, if Pellegrino turned us down and went to Palace, I wouldn't be gutted. Um, I mean, I've said it's on record that Palace are in for him, and the Times reported. I think the Times did a report from the Times that Pellegrino prefers Palace to Southampton. So, but I wouldn't be overly gutted about that. I wouldn't if I was picking out of them three. And obviously, based on what I said about Vieira, I don't think leaving. NYC, I then I would probably say Frank De Boer for me out of them. Yeah, he'd be the one I would choose. He wouldn't necessarily be my dream candidate, but I think he would be the one I would choose if I had to choose out the three. Yeah, I think I think that's my choice too. You know, maybe not as as exciting and attacking as we would like, but I think that that's somebody who's going to make our players better. He's going to command the respect of of some of the maybe the bigger personalities, and I think he's gonna. I think Paul did a really good job taking those players who hadn't quite achieved very much yet and, and helping them to achieve. But I think DeBoer will be able to take those players who are just under elite level and make them elite. You know, I think that's, that, that would be something that he could do for us. And uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that's my choice. We have a couple other questions here from, from Dan uh, from at Holy Hoiberg. We can take just a few minutes because we're running short on time, but we can take a few minutes to, to answer these. Um, so I guess just a yes or no. Do you trust Jack Stevens as a regular starter in the Premier League next season? Well, that's, that is a tough one because I I enjoyed his last couple of months. It, obviously, coming in for Van Dyke is always going to be tough. I mean, Van Dyke, we know all about him. We know he's after him, all that sort of talk and how what his price tag on him is. But as for Jack Stevens as a regular starter, I would see. It depends. I mean, I think we need to recruit in that area anyway I think we need I mean obviously Martin Cazares leaving on free transfer um, definitely leaves us a bit short a regular starter though I'm, see I'm unsure because the new manager might come in and might not want to start Jack Stevens and bring because obviously if Van Dyke stays for me him and Yoshida are number one automatically Right. because regardless of Steve, I, I said, I've, I've, I said, I've got no problem with Stevens or anything but I think Stevens would be a a bench option if Van Dyke. Obviously, I hope Van Dyke stays. So I don't know what the current situation with him is at the moment. I mean, obviously the Liverpool move got obviously shut down for now, and obviously Man City have been reported, and they've. I, don't, I think they don't want to pay the high fee. Obviously, you know what I mean, he's linked with every man and his dog really. But obviously, if he stays next season, him and Yoshida for me. Obviously, unless they buy a centre back, which obviously they've been linked with Middlesbrough's Ben Gibson lately. 
uh, an under-21 from Poland, I think they've just been linked with as well. So there's a few, but regardless of what we've got now, if Virgil comes back for next season, then I think Jack Stevens won't start anywhere. I think he might go out on loan. It depends for me on if the new manager comes in and wants to buy... I mean, if he buys two new centre-backs, for example, then I think Stevens will be... Plus Van Dijk and Yoshida, I think Stevens will probably struggle, but... I would trust it if I had to trust him as a starter. Then, of course, because obviously his last few months show that he was. I mean, he come into a semi final against Liverpool. Everyone's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what's he get the knee? Obviously, as you as we spoke about on the last podcast, he done really well. So, yeah, no, I think I would trust him if if it was needed. But I think he might, probably won't get the chance next season if someone brings in centre backs anyway. Yeah. So for me, it's do I want him to be the starter of my team? No, but if it came down to him having to start, I would be okay with it. You know, I think because he can't, he can't really do anything else. He's, he's done everything we've asked of him, you know, to, uh, to be a starter. But some reason we just have that trouble just going like, yep, you're the guy, you know, but we'll, we'll see. All right. So we, we got a couple other ones from, from, uh, from Dan here. Let's see. We answered that one. Uh, give me a, give me a place that we need to strengthen this summer. So, Goalkeeper, defense, midfield, attack. What, what, which one of those areas do we most need to strengthen this summer? See, I'm looking at see goalkeeper. I think Forster will stay now because obviously he was linked with Everton, but they've just purchased Jordan Pickford, so I think that closes down any Forster move there. Um, obviously, we've I don't know what Hassan's future is. I know obviously he was on loan from Nice, but obviously with Pule gone, does that mean now the relationship ends there? Obviously, we've got Alex McCarthy. Stuart Taylor, who's been offered a new contract. I don't know how he's gone about getting that new contract, but they've obviously seen something. To... But I think he's more of a Kelvin Davis, if that makes sense, in that. So we've got... So in the keeper roles, I think, Lee, I forgot, obviously, Paolo Gazaniga will be coming back as well. So we'll have four keep... four keepers there anyway. It just depends on Hassan. So I don't know if his future was tied in with Pules. Like, was, will he come back any... Will, so I don't know if he was a saint. Obviously, he was a pure song because pure knew him, but I don't know if he was a guy that we were going to continue with if pure went. So right. if he goes, we're at Austin McCarthy, Gazaniga Lewis. So yeah, so yeah, so the keeper I think is pretty good. Obviously, defense. Um, obviously, we've got obviously Martinez left, but I think we're right in the right back sense with like obviously we've got Mar- uh, Martin, we've got Jeremy Pierre, and obviously Cedric's who's been linked with a move as well, obviously, because obviously he's, he's done really well. The centre-backs, obviously, we've just alluded to. We've obviously got Stevens. Obviously, Gardos, I think. I'm not sure. What, I mean, I don't think he's really got much of a future at Saints Gardos. So, but I still think we need to, I think we need to bring in at least one centre-back this okay. summer. Uh, Left-back, obviously, we've got Bertrand, uh, McQueen, Target. So, as, he, as obviously you alluded to at the start, he's been linked with a move to Man City. So, obviously, if he goes, we're left with Target and... McQueen, but obviously that's all based on the. But as in for the main area of, I think I think I'd say defence. I think would okay. be the one that I'd look at because I think the forward line. Obviously we've got Gabardini, Austin, Long, Rodriguez, who I think will leave anyway. Right. Uh, obviously we've got Sam Gallagher returning from Blackburn, so I think there. But I think yeah, my main position would probably be sent sent the sent uh, back position would be the thing I think we need to strengthen. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I think I agree with that. Unless you look at kind of that attacking midfield spot, and there's there's you got two guys that can play that spot. 
Uh, they just didn't perform last year. So you got to say, are they going to perform this year? I think so. So you let them, you let them go. You let them be there. So, uh, yeah, I think we can do with one more center back um, just to shirt up a little bit, especially with yeah, at, least, at least one, I'd say at least, or possibly two, but if one, I definitely think we need one at least. Well, I, I'm saying one and assuming that, uh, that Van Dyke's staying. So I think yeah. that, that so, would yeah, be. Yeah, which would be great for everyone if we could get one more season. That right, mean. right. All right, Blake, uh, who is at Belgian Saint, asked a question. He said, why have you not been considered for the Saints manager vacancy? And uh, is there any chance you could rule yourself out? Oh, see, I've never ruled myself out. I, I mean, I've probably got as much chance as gigs at the moment, I'd say, based <laughs> on. But no, I've never... I don't think I'd rule. I don't think I'd rule myself out. I mean, if Southampton wants me as a manager, I mean, I always talk to them. But obviously, yeah, obviously I've got. I mean, I said, I mean, I've, I get to manage them on Football Manager. I know that's not quite the same, but I. Do you know what I mean? I. <laughs> but no, I, I don't think I'd rule myself out. I think I'll always keep the door open. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to end it too early. You know. Door on it, but obviously, yeah. I think I. I think there's more chance of. Um, Steve McLaren getting the job for me, though I must admit. Yeah. Based on. All right, so I think that kind of does it for the questions. I'm just kind of trying to make sure we got to most of them, if not all of them. Realize we can't always get to all of them, but. Uh, so I have one more question for you. Uh, I sent you over on uh, on Twitter, private message. I sent you over the kind of the current, um, Skybet manager odds. You know, you got you got a tenor. You got to put down one guy who 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 you putting the tenor on for for the job. If I was putting a tenor down, I'd put I would put my money on Frank De Boer. That's like I said because Patrick Vieira, I don't think it's going to happen. And Pellegrino, if the reports are right, he's going to go to Palace, so that leaves Frank De Boer. And then obviously after that's Giggs, and I would put no money ever towards Giggs in my life. So no, my money would go towards Frank De Boer if I had if I was. Um, a betting person, I'll definitely say Frank. See, I, I'm, I'm be honest. I don't, I don't bet. I know betting's a, a kind of a big deal here. A lot of people do it, but like I think betting's more of a of a, of a big deal in, in England uh, or in the UK. And so, you know, you see see these things flying around, and I'm, I'm be quite honest. I don't under, quite understand all of it, but you know, if I only have a tenner and, I, and I'm putting it on De Boer, that's only six to one, and so that means I'm only getting sixty bucks, right, or sixty pounds. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be anything. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be anything major, but no, I, that, that's where. So I probably maybe we'll put less on it, maybe a fiver then or something. Maybe okay. if <laughs> See, I might, that's I won't get back. So now, if I'm, I'm. This is this is in no way an endorsement of this candidate, but I might just put it on Roberto Martinez. Actually, I don't want to win that bet. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking about it purely from a money perspective. Like there is a chance and. You know, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. But hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. And I'm not actually going to put money on it. So no, nor am I. No, nor am I. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that pretty much does it uh, for us. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, I think that's uh, pretty much covered. It's now just waiting, really. The Echo will report, and we should know within 10 days. So hopefully the right. candidates will get. Because I said Sky Sports will report this morning that. Saints are down to a list of four now, so it's just, and I think a decision is due this week. So, yeah, I think I think we'll know, and I think obviously our man, managerial appointment as well will go quite along with Crystal Palace. I've noticed a lot of our appointments and meetings are the same pl- people. I think Palace 
are after De Boer and Pellegrino themselves. And obviously, I alluded to the fact that Pellegrino said it. Well, there was a link in the, I think, I sent the Times newspaper that he preferred that. So I think whoever strikes first, I think we'll get more of a clear, clearer picture. Because obviously, if Palace appoint Pellegrino, we know it's not going to be obviously him, and it more than likely will be Frank De Boer. So I think it's a case of who strikes first, really, in that sense. Yeah, I don't know. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for doing this again. I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was nice to come on again. And uh, I said a bit different to last time. Obviously, uh, obviously, we were talking on the back of a. I think it was on the back of a final, wasn't it? I think we were. Yeah. Talk back of last time, and now obviously we're talking about another summer of mayhem. I guess it always is though. It would be Saints. I don't think without a summer of chaos, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have, we'll definitely do it again, man. As you're as as we get the next season going, and you know articles start flowing out, and we have games to talk about, and yeah, thanks. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank Jamie for uh, joining the show once again, for taking time out of his day to to do that. And if you enjoyed hearing from Jamie, be sure to give him a follow on Twitter at JamieGrantRS, and you can find his writing over at Reed Southampton. Additionally, you can find much more from Jamie at the Southampton page on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links to all three of those are in the show notes, and I can't say enough how much I enjoy uh, following those pages. So be sure to to check those out and, and give them a follow. And if you enjoyed this show, uh, be sure to subscribe to the feed in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to make sure that you don't miss an episode of the show. And if you've been a long-time listener and you really do enjoy it very much and you've already subscribed and all that stuff, um, please consider leaving a review or a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Um, that helps spread the show to more people. Other ways to help spread the show, just share the Twitter account or the Facebook address uh, with others. Go ahead and give the page a like or share the links that we send out. Uh, that really, really helps other people find it because you as a Southampton fan, probably have at least a few friends who are Southampton fans. And if they don't know about it, but you share it, maybe they'll take your recommendation. Uh, and, and that goes a long way. So uh, you can find us on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC D E L L I V E R Y. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. One last thing before we go, uh, I'm going to be joining uh, another podcast tonight as a guest, the yellow card podcast. You can find them on Twitter at yellow card pod. Um, every Tuesday from seven to 8 PM Eastern, Stephen Brandt and Chris Gluck bring you, uh, an MLS-focused podcast, uh, a little bit about the Timbers, a little bit about other things, but they have some pretty um, big guests, and I'm, I'm slightly intimidated to go on the show, but it's going to be fun. And uh, if you get a chance to give it a listen, go ahead. I'll be talking uh, probably half Southampton and half also Houston Dynamo, which is the MLS team that I, I follow more of a, as a casual fan. Um, definitely uh, don't do as much research into them as I do into uh, Southampton, but um, I do enjoy watching them. And because they've been decent this year, uh, at home at least, they haven't really played that well on the road. Um, they've been on TV more. So I've been actually been able to see them. Um, so we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about all that stuff. I'm not sure exactly what they have in store, but it'll be something good. So, uh, check that out. Uh, you can find the Twitter account in the show notes, uh, if, if you need. So once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to the show and remind you that until next time together, we march on.